Talk 7. The first essential virtue, humility. Certainly anyone who could truly see and feel themselves as they truly are would be truly humble. Right from the very first page of The Cloud of Unknowing, we are told that the art of contemplative prayer is impossible without the virtue of humility. This is something that is amply confirmed for us by our own experience. Who is able to meditate without soon becoming aware how hard it is to keep their body physically still for more than a few minutes? As for mental and emotional distractions, who can meditate even for a few seconds without becoming aware how easily distractions can take over. My own personal experience, having been meditating twice a day for more than 15 years, is that I don't make progress in the normal sense of progress, that is gradually getting better at resisting to distractions and being more attentive to my prayer word. What happens is that I become more aware of my own weakness and limitations, and in that sense more ready to admit that I have no power to help myself but must rely more and more on God's grace and compassion in order to be present to God. So if, and that's a very, very big if, if I have great humility, that is nothing to be proud of. For once again, it's all God's gift. In the opening sentence of the cloud's second chapter, our teacher addresses his novice meditator. Look up now, weak wretch, and see what you are. What are you, and what have you deserved to be called a meditator? like this by our Lord? These are, of course, two very good questions for us also to ask ourselves. What or who am I? And again, what have I done to deserve to be called to this practice of meditation? In his very first chapter, the cloud author holds up before his disciple the nature of the high calling to which he has been invited by God. What a great privilege, he reminds him, it is to be called to be a contemplative, but in the second chapter, he warns him not to think of yourself any holier or better because of this calling. Because this calling is so noble, but think of yourself all the more wretched and cursed unless you do the best you can to live in accordance with your calling. With great privileges come equally great responsibilities. Moving on now to chapters 13, 14 and 15, we shall find here the cloud's fullest treatment of the virtue of humility. Here our author explains, humility is nothing else but one's knowledge and feeling of oneself as one is in the eyes of God. For certainly anyone who could truly see and feel themselves as they truly are would be truly humble. So true humility is the virtue of being unassuming, not presumptuous, not expecting favorable treatment because of one's birth, position in society or achievements, but rather accepting oneself as one really stands in the sight of God without illusion or fantasy. It is a quality that leads those who have it to share in the blessings of God's kingdom. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew 5, verse 5. Another way of describing humility, which our author also uses, is to speak of knowing oneself, the ability to appreciate equally two things, what is within our capability, which is sometimes far greater than we suppose, under God's grace, and what, on the other hand, are the weaknesses and habitual sins that prevent us from reaching our full capability. 
In his spiritual autobiography entitled The Confessions, St. Augustine lamented that it took him so long to find God because he was, as he put it, outside himself. In other words, not yet grounded and centred. So Augustine said, man must first be restored to himself so that making himself, as it were, a stepping stone, he may rise from thence and be carried up to God. I'll read that again. Man must first be restored to himself so that making himself, as it were, a stepping stone, he may rise from thence and be carried up to God. Knowing oneself is a lifelong task. Our author repeatedly links such self-knowledge with feeling oneself, that is, in modern language, being self-aware. Using the language of contemporary neurological science, this is a self-knowledge that comes from both sides of the brain, the right side and the left side, the intuitive just as much as the reflective. So humility as a gift and grace that belongs to the whole personality, the heart as well as the head, as we say in popular speech. To give an example from my own experience, I was once asked by my bishop to go and visit a parish with a view to seeing whether it might be the right next posting for me. On paper, it looked very suitable. It offered both a welcome environment and a challenge in terms of its congregation and the parish as a whole. But when my wife and I had a look at it, I became conscious of what might be called a negative gut feeling. This parish just doesn't feel the right place for us. It was hard to put into words. I explained to the bishop what I felt. Wisely, I believe, he did not try to persuade me to think again. He was ready to recognise that my intuitive brain was doing a good job, or rather perhaps, as I came to see, the Holy Spirit was guiding me correctly. Before we leave the topic of humility, there's something else that the author of the cloud wants to teach us, which is worth thinking about. There's a difference between what he calls perfect humility and imperfect humility. Let me explain why he made this distinction. There are two reasons, the cloud says, why we need to be humble. The first reason is the obvious fact that we are sinful, morally weak and fallible. It is notable that the saints, being more self-aware than most of us, are able to see more clearly their own weaknesses and moral imperfections, rather than project their failings onto others. There but for the grace of God go I, they say. They do not fall into the trap of seeing the speck of dust in someone else's eye while unable to see the beam of wood in their own eye. The second reason why we need to be humble is that there is an unbridgeable gap, in one sense, between the Creator and the created, between the human and the divine, between the finite and the infinite, between that which might not have existed and that which is pure being and pure love. Or as the cloud describes it far more poetically, the superabundant love and excellence of God in himself, at the sight of which all nature trembles, all scholars of fools and all saints and angels are blind. The point is this, in this life we can rarely attain to perfect humility, a condition in which all thoughts of self disappear. Practicing our regular times of our meditation, we may perhaps experience brief moments of ecstasy. But such moments are but a foretaste or pledge of the final bliss to come, when in St Paul's well-known words from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I shall know God fully even as I have been fully known, the condition of perfect humility. But do not be discouraged, the author, cloud author urges us, 
imperfect humility is quite sufficient for us and is more than sufficient for our loving God. <laughs>